From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Conaty talks to us about how to successfully transition into a leadership role at a new university by working with the current strength staff and administrators, how being in the role of intern and assistant while working your way up helps develop the type of leader you become, and how early on Choosing a D3 school versus a D1 school allowed him to master programming that would later help him land his dream job. All this in another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, Performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I have yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Sean Conaty. He's currently the Director of Strength Conditioning from, for Olympic Sports at the University of Buffalo. Prior to that, he was an Assistant Sports Performance Coach at Eastern Michigan. And he's also had stops at Christopher Newport University, Springfield College, the Buffalo Bills, Merrimack College, East Carolina University, IMG Academy, and Fitness Quest 10. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Coach, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, you've had a lot of great people on recently, so it's an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and could you tell us a little bit more about your role at the University of Buffalo? Sure. So, yeah, I am the director of strength and conditioning for Olympic sports here at the University at Buffalo. I uh, primarily work with men's basketball and volleyball, and I oversee a staff of three strength coaches who work with our other 12 Olympic sports uh, out of two varsity weight rooms here in Alumni Arena. Um, in my second season here at UB, uh, before that, I was an assistant sports performance coach at Eastern Michigan University, uh, where I worked with basketball. Uh, and EMU's in the same conference as, as Buffalo. They're in the MAC, the Mid-American Conference. And so, I mean, funny enough, when this job opened up here at Buffalo uh, and it was presented to me, I didn't want the job at first. You know, I'm sitting there being like, I've been trying to beat Buffalo for three years. I'm not going to go leave. And, you know, I kind of honestly felt kind of like 
Kevin Durant, like if you can't beat him, join him kind of thing. But I had to sit down and, and marinate on it. And I realized, like, like you said, this is a different role than I had at Eastern Michigan. So I'm stepping into a, a director role now, uh, which was important for me in a, in a box I wanted to check because I've been working with basketball. And the trend you see is, you know, as a basketball strength coach uh, evolves and, and climbs in their career, you know, you get that high major, a power five job, you're tied in with a sport coach and you're separate than a strength department. You don't, you don't get the opportunity to uh, lead a strength department in most instances. So for me, this was a unique opportunity to still be in basketball while uh, getting the experience of being a director and actually leading a department and doing more than just working with basketball. Um, and the other benefit to, you know, coming to Buffalo from being in this conference was, uh, you know, particularly in the sport of basketball, you kind of know every strength coach. You, you go on the road, you travel with the team. So before the game, you're chopping it up with all the different strength coaches. I've become friends with every strength coach in our league. Like we've got a lot of great strength coaches working in the MAC. And uh, yeah, being in it for three years, like you kind of get a lay of the land and know the the structure at each university. You know their hierarchy, how they uh, set up their staff, uh, what what their budgets look like, how, how they're allocating resources, all those kind of things. So now you bring that to Buffalo to a new position and you can talk to administration who, you know, they say, okay, we want to lead the Mac. Okay. Well, here's what everyone else is doing in the Mac. Here's the direction that they're going with their departments. Here's, here's where we need to go. Um, and so with that, you know, it's it, again, a kind of a, a unique deal where the, the head basketball coach hired me and the strength staff uh, didn't really have a say in who was coming in. So right away, number one, you know, I got to empathize with that and, and talk to them and say, okay, how did we, how did we get here? How did, uh, how did administratively you guys not have a seat at the table here? What is the perception of our department? What value can I bring to, to you guys? How can we help build this up? And so instead of coming in day one and, you know, shaking the tree and trying to change everything up right away, you got to build the relationships with the, the current staff, sit down and listen to what's actually going on. What problems are they having? What are they doing really well? So we do, you know, a SWOT analysis of our department. What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Uh, what's our perception from sport coaches, from administrators? What are our, some areas that we uh, need to improve upon? You know, and so I talked to our current staff about that. Me on the outside coming in, you know, and just seeing our, our league, I realized, you know what, we're really lacking in, in nutrition. We need to allocate some resources and provide proper nutritional athletes. We have two beautiful weight rooms, uh, you know, resources from an equipment standpoint isn't an issue, but we do need to get some, we're definitely behind the eight ball on the Olympic side when it comes to nutrition. But then talking to, to our strength staff, it's, you know, they feel like, okay, we're spread pretty thin here as far as uh, team assignments and, and all these kind of things. And then on the opposite end, our sport coaches are saying, you know what, uh, we feel like we need more from our, our strength staff. We need more hours from our strength staff. Well, you know, and there, there's a disconnect there, right? How, how can the strength staff feel that they are overworked? How can the sport coaches feel like they need more and we need to hire more staff? And I'm sitting here looking at it like it, we have the most strengths, Olympic sports strength coaches in our league. Like we just aren't properly assigning teams and we need to restructure everything, right? And so uh, day one, I sit down with administration and I ask the obvious question. How are you going to evaluate me? How are you evaluating the rest of our staff? What, you know, all these kind of things. And fortunately, I got an answer. I talked to a lot of strength coaches that say, yeah, we don't know how we're being evaluated. But uh, fortunately, our administration said, you know, number one, obviously, 
are you improving athleticism? Are you reducing risk of injury? Which funny enough is what every strength coach says, you know, they're about and what the mission statement is. Our administration was, you know, smart enough too to say, look, there's so many things that go into that. We, we understand that, but basically like, are you being a good strength coach and doing the things that you, you should be doing? So I appreciated that. The second thing that they said they evaluate us on is, you know, what is your relationships like with sport coaches, with athletic trainers? You know, how are you integrating yourself within the uh, department? And the third thing is, are we enhancing the student athlete experience? So I right away went back to, you know, the two things I said, you know, okay, if we're going to be evaluated on our relationships with sport coaches, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper. How then are sport coaches evaluating us? What, what value are we bringing to each team, right? So then we sit down and we talk to every sport coach about what are the expectations out of strength and conditioning and what you find at this level at a, a, you know, mid-major program is a lot of sport coaches either were a high major head coach or were a high major assistant. And then now they're a mid-major head coach. And what do they want? They want the exact same level of care and time allotment from the strength coach that they had at a high major school. Well, number one, financially, we, we don't have those same resources. But number two, like I just alluded to earlier, if you're a high major basketball uh, strength coach, that's probably your only team assignment and you probably aren't running a department. So it's just, it's just very different, right? So we need to kind of get an understanding of, okay, how can we set this up to, to make us successful with the current, you know, resources that we have. So what we sat down is, you know, every team is the, the time allotment is going to be different, right? So then we start categorizing teams. Okay. Look, you got your tier one teams. That's obviously uh, your revenue sports, football, men's basketball, women's basketball. These coaches, they want you at practice. You're going to travel and and be with them on the road. You're probably going to be extremely involved in their day-to-day nutrition. Uh, You're probably going to be extremely involved in their day-to-day sports science and analytics. And there's so many extra hours that's going to go into that. Your, Your tier two teams you know, it's still going to be a lot of hours, but it's just coaching. It's strength and conditioning. It's speed and agility, conditioning, uh, mobility. You, you don't got to go to practice. You don't got to travel with them. If it fits your schedule, by all means, let's let's be around them. Let's make ourselves available. But that's not an actual requirement. And then your tier three is your teams where it's just it's your traditional weight room lifting. You know, if you set up those schedules correctly, it's not going to be a huge hour chunk of your week if we can handle that correctly. Now, the misappropriation of all that is when you have uh, like a women's basketball strength coach who's supposed to be traveling, but then you still have four other tier three teams that are in the weight room on a daily basis. You know, how can you be on the road if and be away from the other teams if they're supposed to be in the weight room lifting? Like that just doesn't make sense. You got to understand what your hierarchy is. And, and like our number one most important job is obviously being in the weight room and coaching our athletes. So how can we set up this, you know, staff uh, to make sure that we can check all the boxes, uh, uh, you know, support every sport coach's needs without us really set ourselves up for failure where we're, we're not going to be available. So we are able then to, you know, have me come in and be a men's basketball strength coach. And I also work with volleyball. We have coach Annette with women's basketball and she works with women's soccer. And then we have two other strength coaches, uh, coach Gino and coach TJ, who are your, you know, traditional weight room roles where they're in positions where they don't have to go to practice or travel. They can hold down the weight room. And we're able then to set up our schedules, especially the traveling positions, coach Annette and I, where if we're on the road, we really shouldn't miss, uh, I shouldn't miss a volleyball lift. She shouldn't miss a women's soccer lift the way we set it up. Now, if it does happen, though, we do have two strength coaches where that's their main role and they can kind of take on that overflow and we kind of have a um, 
a, a smooth you know department running that way. So that was, you know, within the first six months getting in, we we're able to kind of listen, figure out what the the pain points were, figure out a solution, get everyone on the same page, right? And then uh, and then the pandemic happens. And so then you got to be, you know, ready for anything. I remember telling other strength coaches, you know, right when uh, the pandemic happened and the lockdown started and everything, I, I told them, I was like, you know what, this is really going to expose a, a lot of strength coaches, a lot of staffs. And, and it, people didn't know what I meant by that. But, you know, before I got here, some of the strength coaches here told me like, look, they, our, our perception of the administ- you know, the administration's perception of us is like, we're just, you know, holding down the weight room. Like, you know, we we're in the weight room we're you know, lifting the athletes and, and that's it. That's, that's what our perception is. Well, if that's what administration's perception of you is, and now all of a sudden everything's shut down and you're not able to do that. How do you expect to maintain a job? Right. And so it was extremely important for us to uh, number one, stay ahead of everything and keep providing a service to our student athletes and to our coaching staff and staying in constant communication with administration. And fortunately, I mean, I can say we had a, a really good plan of attack with all of that, right from right from day one, as far as uh, being in touch with our athletes, sending out um, take home programs of you know different levels. Whereas you know level one was our, our normal program that they would be on if they had access to you know a gym. Level two is if they were you know quarantined at home and they had minimal equipment. Level three is if it was body weight only and they didn't have anything. And then our assistant TJ actually stepped up and you know reached out to different uh, equipment companies and kind of figured out, okay, is there any deals we can get? And, you know, gym equipment is flying off the racks. Is there any deals we can get uh, to hook our athletes up with, with some equipment at home? So we are able to send them packages like, okay, if you want to spend $50, here's some things you can get to upgrade from that level three body weight to the level two program. If you want to spend $150, here's different things from this company that you can get to upgrade to this program. And all those kinds of things, I think, gave us the platform to get athletes still training. Uh, and then comes that buy-in pieces in the relationship pieces, like are athletes just, you know, coming to see you every day because they're told to, or is it, is it a, a culture that you cultivated to have them buy into the process and the, that they want to train? And, and are we going to see that, you know, throughout this period where we, we got to coach remotely and, and all those kinds of things. And then I think the, the biggest thing with that too, is just the educational piece is, you know, athletes are, we're looking for some form of consistency. And, and that's, you know, when I sit down with administration, they talk about, they want us to enhance the student athlete experience. I told them, you know, strength conditioning is the student athlete experience. If you look at what they do every single day on a daily basis, like they're, they're always in the weight room. We are that constant for them. So number one, when it comes to allocating resources and, and, and budget and the department wants to put money into student athlete experience, well, here's a direct line uh, where we need to get some money more money put into our weight rooms, into our, our strength staff to enhance that student athlete experience. Because if you call uh, an alumni, you know, 10 years after they graduate and, and you want to talk about the student athlete experience, all that money that you put in for uh, uh, an award ceremony is not going to compare to the, the daily experience that they have with their teammates in the weight room or, or different services that, that we provide, right? And so that's, you know, one thing that we made very clear. And then the, the other thing as far as just our, our value and education piece and being uh, constant with the athletes is when everything's going crazy in the world, they still look to us to be that constant. So giving them different information, giving them ways to try and uh, form good habits on their own, giving them ways to have some form of consistency in this crazy world uh, was, was really valuable. 
right? And then we get out of, of the quarantine and the COVID period and uh, we're able to start getting athletes back on campus. And uh, honestly, I mean, we, we talk all this time about what a shortened off season is going to do uh, as far as physical preparation goes and, and all this kind of stuff. But I couldn't be more proud of our strength staff, of our sports medicine staff for everything we've done this whole fall period to get us where we are now to get our athletes up and running. Fortunately, we haven't had any big issues whatsoever at all. Um, it's it's been a, it's been a strange year to say the least, but it's we, we're still moving, we're still pushing forward. No, definitely, and that's a lot of great information, and we're gonna unpack a little bit of it. But you had said going from Eastern Michigan to where you are now is definitely, even though it was in the same conference, it was because it was a director job. You had you got a chance to run your own program, and listening to the, listening to everything that you did when you first got there. It's a lot, but I think it was a lot of good stuff. Where did that come from, considering this was your first chance to like call your shots? Was it your experiences other places, or was it the fact that you were planning for when you had your chance to step up to the plate and hit that home run? Like, Where did, where did all this high-level management come from? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I think it's it's a bit of both. I had the opportunity to be around some great mentors and, and learn from them. I mean, Coach McKeefrey in particular, like if you see the way that he operates from an organizational standpoint and uh, supporting his staff and integrating himself with, with administration, you you sit back and you learn from others. You know your opportunity is going to come. Obviously, it takes some uh, self-awareness and determination and, and planning, but honestly, like the biggest thing is just me being in those other positions and seeing different pain points that I had, you know, like me, me being in a a position early on at Eastern Michigan, where I'm working with men's and women's basketball, who both want you to be like a high major basketball strength coach and travel with them on the road, but they're both on the road. Well, how do you handle that? If there's been no leadership elsewhere articulating what the precedent is for that situation and and how do you go about navigating that right on on paper if you're a court sport strength coach like if you're the basketball guy you work with both basketballs or your court sport like you're both basketballs and volleyball on paper that sounds good and it sounds like a good way to, to break up a department however what happens when you're at a school where you know you have your main gym and your practice gym and you got two teams that are practicing at the same time and they want to lift at the same time and you can't be at two places at once or you're at you know working basketball in particular like if both men's and women's basketball wants you to run the warm-up but they're both practicing at the same time at two different gyms like how do you how do you navigate that and obviously you have uh different contingency plans. Like I, I've been there before where, okay, if I have a, an intern, you're taking this team, this team. But when, when you talk about really the dynamics and your relationship with coaching staff and players, like there's certain pain points that you realize, okay, this can be, this can be resolved quite easily if we just restructure a few things, right? So whether it's me being an assistant at CNU and I'm programming for 10 teams and then, you know, you have different pain points there or where you're at Eastern and, you know, you have less of a, a programming slate, but you're working with two sports that are kind of competing with with your time. There, there's different things that you are like, okay, uh, instead of just complaining about this, what can I do right now to help make this better? And then, 
maybe now you step into a director role and you see the same things either happening or potentially happening the way the, the system is set up. And then you know how to kind of alleviate that. And ultimately, when you're a young strength coach working through some of those things, what fixes it is communication, right? Is I, I need perception is reality. So let me have a conversation with this sport coach. Let me see how they're perceiving this. Maybe they have no idea about all this other stuff that's going on. Um, and maybe we can kind of find some resolution here. And the more uh, reps you get at that, the more experience you have with that, then just kind of becomes automatic when you move forward. And you're like, okay, I've been here before. I know how to navigate this. Like you, you've seen all the same things happen before. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slap belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. No, definitely. That's, that's important. And I think it says a lot, you know, to what the younger strength coach or the the assistant strength coach that's been working the way up, just paying attention, you know, like, Hey, what am I going through right now? And how would I fix it when I get to that position? You had also brought up like that new, the nutrition aspect. That was one of the key things that from the SWOT analysis is like, we need to get up our nutrition. So, you know, how, how was that creating, I guess, the, the Olympic side of the nutrition and, and getting that hustle going? I think the, the easy way to get it up and running was working with basketball. Basketball is obviously going to have more finances than other sports. So when you step into a situation that has zero nutrition budget for uh, all Olympic sports, that, that's not going to detract from what I can bring to basketball, right? So I started, I started small. Let me start with the basketball staff and show them the, the importance of nutrition. Let's look at our, our daily schedule, right? We lift first thing in the morning, usually at 7.30. We normally practice at 11. I want the day set up so that guys could be in the locker room at 7, 7.15, uh, and we have a pre-lift snack for them. I, I preach the importance of we can't just wake up, come in, and expect to do strength training without having something in our system. So we need that, that pre-lift snack. So 
it's my job then I get the money. Okay. I can provide something small for them in the locker before we go, whether it's, you know, oatmeal and peanut butter, fruit cup, granola bar, just something, something, right. Because if you don't, if you don't teach them these nutrition habits, they're, they're not going to do it, you know? So it's very, very basic right away. Then we can lift. Now we can provide a, a post-workout shake for them, you know, based on what body weight category they're in. We can provide a breakfast for them, just as much feeding opportunities as we can. All of a sudden, you know, I'm doing a, a ton of nutrition stuff with men's basketball. And now I can show administration. Okay. Here's what we're doing with men's basketball. All this is coming from uh, the men's basketball budget. I broke out some spreadsheets and, and said, okay, if we just take a piece of this and now we apply it across the board to all Olympic sports, just like we're doing with basketball, when they leave, they get uh, a shake and now they get a breakfast or even looking at the pre-lift snack that we offer them. What's it going to take just to get that, that pre-lift snack and provide it to everyone in Olympic sports, whether they use a pre-lift or they use it post-lift. And then you break out a document and you, uh, you know, you present it to them. Here's how much it's going to cost. Here's how we can run it. And, and to be honest, fortunately, while I was at Eastern Michigan, they've got a phenomenal nutrition setup, you know, nutrition room right attached to the weight room. As soon as athletes finish a lift, you know, they can either get a, a chocolate milk or a muscle milk, and then they can get an actual carb, a protein or a combo like whole foods option as they leave. And the whole point is obviously most, most teams you're going to lift and you're going to go to class. So you don't want to lift and then start, you know, breaking, breaking down energy and breaking down muscle and then sitting in class for three hours and not replenishing and starting the recovery process. So I saw that system. I saw how that worked. Now, you know, they were all for it here. It just is a matter of funds. How are we, how are we going to budget for it? Right. And so the big thing is, you know, starting small with the model I took, let's talk to basketball. Basketball is willing to pay for all this stuff. Now let me talk to volleyball and see how much money there. Cause most of the time they have a budget for nutrition, like volleyball's uh, outfitting their locker room with stuff as well. Well, how about you, instead of just kind of buying a ton of stuff and not really tracking it, why don't I be in charge of that? And why don't we distribute that out of uh, our nutrition room that we're building? And you know, that's where that funding is going. Okay. That team's checked off. Then all the other strength coaches are going to the other teams. And we're starting to slowly check those boxes. Right. Um, and then high, you know, having more and more conversations with administration, free trade is something that, that is huge here with, with our sponsors. So talking to our sports properties, people, whether it's whether you got a, a deal with uh, Gatorade, I know other schools have this. They got you know a Gatorade deal. All of a sudden, they got a certain amount of free trade. Well, they can outfit their strength and conditioning uh, rooms with protein bars and, and protein shakes, all those kind of things. Now we don't have that here, but we got free trade with with different grocery stores where you can get beef jerky for free. All of a sudden, we can get free um, trail mix. All you know, you just kind of got to be creative from from that regard. But the the big thing I would tell a, a young strength coach or anyone in my position is because I'm, I'm fighting this battle every day. If you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Every, everyone knows the importance of nutrition. Just like, you know, when, when I talk to athletes about nutrition, most of the time they know what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, but they're not going to adhere to it unless I like really set the table and hold their hand initially and, and really get them bought into it. The same thing with administration and everything here. They know the value of nutrition. They know it's not right that, you know, we're, we're not providing nutrition. Maybe we're behind the eight ball with everyone else in our conference with that. But unless someone actually like puts their hand in the dirt and, and, and makes the documents, finds out where the resources are coming from, all this kind of thing, nothing, nothing's going to happen. So you just kind of got to commit to it. No, that that's, Again, a lot, a lot of good stuff, and it, it sounds like you're just handling everything, and, it, and it's a good thing. And 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 you had brought up the advice for the the young coaches, and 
what what would you say is a, a piece of advice you'd give to that coach that's just getting off of an internship? Because you've been fortunate enough to be at a lot of places uh, before you 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 landed there in Buffalo, so you you know what it's like to be an intern and go through all that. What would you tell an, uh, that coach that's maybe right in the middle of that hard, the hard part of what we do. Cause I mean, it's all hard, but it's especially hard when you're not getting paid and you're definitely the low person on the totem pole. So like, what's a piece of advice you would tell to those strength coaches? Yeah. I mean, I I've been there too, where like you, you did a graduate assistant, you've got your master's, you're in like an entry level part-time position. You're looking for that first full-time job. And it's just, it, it's, it's tough. You know, I I had a conversation with a young strength coach today about that, where I told him, you know what, it's honestly feast or famine. Like you're going to go three months of getting rejection letter after rejection letter on person, you know, on campus interview, rejected phone interview, rejected on campus interview, rejected. And then all of a sudden in a week, you might have three job offers. And, And I've seen that happen to me. I've seen that happen to several of my peers. Um, uh, Colin Lawless uh, was uh, a CSCCA practicum student of mine. I mean, former former baseball player of mine at, at CNU, and then intern for me, and then you know has been back here at, at Buffalo with me. Uh, was in the same situation where it's like you're at this position, you are ready to lead and to have a full time position, but it, it's such a crazy job market regardless if it's in a pandemic or not such an oversaturated market, but you just gotta, you gotta stick it out like that, you know, Angela Duckworth grit, like passion plus perseverance every single day. Don't lose your passion for it because times are getting tough. Like we've all had those days that you question if this is the, the right route for you, because logic is saying, Hey man, I could go make a ton more money elsewhere tomorrow. Right. But that long-term thinking is you still have your passion for it, know what your purpose is. And ultimately it's going to pay off. And it's, that's why I told Collins, like, we're going to get you a full-time job and uh, you know, feast or famine, same thing. It's been like, you know, you're not hearing anything for a month. And then all of a sudden all these job offers come in and that's, it's happened to me. It's happened to so many people. So what I would tell the young coach is number one, just have, have grit, stick it out. Don't, don't cave in. Um, and, and the most important thing you can do though, is take ownership of where you're at and where you want to go and be strategic about it. So this is advice I gave to another strength coach too, that wanted to to work in basketball is like, you know, if you're going to take a low level job somewhere, maybe you're even an assistant uh, working under a head basketball strength coach. Um, if you've, if you've got the opportunity to go to a couple different universities, go to the one where you know that basketball staff and you kind of know where that associate head coach is going to go or that assistant coach is, is going to go. Um, because I've seen it here, like having conversations with our basketball staff here, uh, our associate head coach told me, he's like, Sean, if if I were to leave and get a head coaching job tomorrow, you know who the first person I hire is? I said, who? He said, a strength coach. Now we hear that all the time in the football realm, but that's happening in basketball too. And then other sports, you, you see these coaches having more and more influence. Well, in the same way, I urge all young strength coaches to like build their strength condition coach network. And I urge them, Hey, you need to build your, your basketball coach network too. Or if you want to work football, build your football coach network or baseball, your baseball coach network. Cause those are the ones that are pulling the strings. It's not, it's, that's harder for us. We, we know all these strength coaches initially, we're not going to know a lot of 
basketball coaches. It's the same thing if you're a basketball coach. If you're a basketball coach, you don't know the strength industry. All you know is the people that are in front of you. You might know the guy that is currently working for you and his assistant or his intern. So now if I leave and I get a head job as a basketball coach, my strength network is just the head guy, the assistant, and the intern that I've been working with for the last couple of years. So who do you think he's going to call if he sees the value in strength conditioning is those people that are in a mobile situation, like the assistant or the intern. So if you're, if you're an intern, like that's exponential for your career is to, uh, to network with the other coaches, know where they're going, make an impact on them. Um, because you never know when that call is going to come. And honestly, that's how I ended up back at Eastern Michigan after uh, interning and being part-time. And then I'm down at Christopher Newport University. Uh, when Coach McKeefrey left Eastern and they restructured the department so that there was a non-football position that worked with basketball, you know, obviously my relationship with the the current strength conditioning staff was huge, but my relationship with the the basketball staff was huge. As an intern, um, you know, I would warm up the basketball team. The the basketball strength coach also worked football. And so he might be out at football practice. So I would take advantage of going and warming up the basketball team. So now not only is that another opportunity to be around the guys outside the weight room, that's my first opportunity to be around the basketball coaches and for them to see me in a leadership position. I'm leading this warm up of 16 guys every day. And, you know, you, you get to develop a relationship that way. So now when a, a basketball strength job opens up, I, I got called right away and it just, it, it worked out. So, I mean, that was, um, you know, I was very fortunate in that, in that regard, but the lesson that I always try and tell people is, you know, take advantage of every opportunity, uh, stay the course, um, and just network outside of strength edition, network with sport coaches, administrators, because you never know, you never know who's actually pulling the strings and, and, uh, who could help you down the road. You know, definitely. And, and luckily I've been lucky enough to be, you know, doing the podcast and that's, I think the second or third time in the in a couple of weeks, I've heard it's not just the strength coach, but pay attention to who you're interacting with on the on the, you know, on the the basketball staff or the football staff or the administration because there's a few other strength coaches are like, hey, I, I had a really good relationship with our one of our associate ads, and then they put in a good word that they knew and, and it helped them out. So I think that's some very important advice. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Sean Conaty from five years ago, what would you tell him? Five years ago, I'll try and give you a, a real honest answer. So five years ago, 2015, uh, I would be still at CNU. Um, yes, yeah, similar, similar to what I just said, I would tell him that, you know, stay the course. It's all going to work out. Uh, you know, I think at that point in my career, uh, you know, I, I had just taken my first full-time job at a, a division three school, which it, I, I took it and I absolutely loved being there. I loved coach. It, it was, it was a great opportunity for me, but the interesting thing was in deciding to leave, to take a D three school, I had left a division one football assistant job on the table where I would have uh, programmed for one other sport. And so you got a lot of people in your ear saying, don't take the D3 job, take the D1 job, right? And this is a conversation that happens all the time, which I, I talk about because I, I, that was my path, right? So I, in, in my heart, knew, okay, especially if I want to work basketball, uh, 
and you know, I'm, I'm coming out of grad school and I'm applying for all these jobs. And some of the feedback I'm getting is, look, you were a GA at Springfield College. You programmed for four teams for a year, but that's still not as much programming experience as a lot of these assistants that are applying for these different jobs. So even though in my head, I got you know five, six years experience and I've been programmed for my own teams and everything, like that doesn't compare to those that are above you in the field and have been assistants for years and actually have even more programming experience. So knowing I've received certain advice like that for jobs that I wanted, it just didn't make sense to me why I would take a division one job where I ran someone else's program and only implemented my own program for one team versus going to a D3 school where I, I was going to program for 10 teams. Like in my head, I was like, okay, no one's going to question if I could program or not. Like this is going to be great experience. I can actually uh, lay out my program, all these different sports, all this kind of stuff. And so I had a great vibe when I, I went down to interview in my heart. I was like, this is where I need to be. A lot of people said that probably wasn't the right move, but then I go down there and again, I, I loved it, but I had bigger aspirations too. Like I knew that there was other boxes that I wanted to check and, uh, you know, division one basketball was one of them, but everyone's still saying, well, how are you going to go from, uh, working basketball and all these sports at D3 to actually work into division one? Uh, but again, just all the stuff that we've kind of been talking about, I knew that wasn't as crazy as it seems when you make the, the right connections and you have the, the, the vision and the drive and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, five years ago, I was at that point where you're like, okay, is I'm, I'm in a good spot, but am I going to actually progress my career? So I would have told myself, yeah, stick with it. Like stick to your core values, stick to, stick to the plan because the plan's going to work. Um, but the other thing that I would probably tell myself too is, and I did an okay job of this, but no one ever gets it right, is like, just be more present. Like you really are gonna miss a lot of these, these opportunities. Like I I lived in, I've, I've lived in seven different states and I've done so many different internships and everything. And you don't realize like some of these summer internships that last three months, like that's only three months. And you, you, that's then some of your best friends in the world. And you just take for granted that time that you guys are together. And so like, even though I feel like I'm pretty cognizant of it, and I always try and stay grounded and stay present and enjoy every day. Like no one ever, ever gets it right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, there's a, there's a Drake lyric where he says, uh, you know, uh, sometimes I wish I was where I was back when I used to wish I was here. Like that always hit me when I was at Eastern as a uh, full-time with the basketball team. Cause I would think back to when I, you know, years earlier when I was an intern being like, man, if only I could be the basketball strength coach here, if I was full-time, I'd love to be working here. And now all of a sudden, a couple of years later, that's the position I have and, and I love it. But then I think back to like, man, as interns, like we had it made like that. So I was around such a great group of guys and learning from coach McKeithry every day and just all this kind of, so you're, you're always going to look back and reminisce. So strength conditioning is a journey. Life's a journey. I, I really would stress to myself and to anyone else, like no matter where you're at, even if, even if you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be right now, like you're going to look back and there's so much information, valuable lessons that you can extract from, from where you're at. So just soak it all up. Absolutely. And uh, Coach Conanty dropping the, the Drake lyrics for the first time, for the first time in the podcast. I like it. I like it. So, so, uh, so what's next for you, Coach? Uh, what's something that you're looking forward to or something that our listeners could, you know, tune into and, and see what you got coming up? Honestly, I mean, we're, we're in basketball season right now. So like every basketball season, I just 
really get laser focused on, on our guys, on our process and just on, on improving what we have going on, helping our coaching staff and, uh, and uh, achieving our goals. You know, it's the, the end season basketball period is a grind. Um, but honestly, like I'm obsessed with just figuring out like culture and the leadership dynamics and our, our role in it, how we can make things better. I mean, uh, these, these are conversations I have every day, you know, especially like culture, such a big buzzword, uh, but rightfully so because it's so valuable and so important, but having been at all these different stops, right. You see so many different cultures and you see some that are successful. You see that some that aren't successful and you've seen, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and then you see the maturation every year of your, of your team. Right. And so like, that's, that's what we're dealing with right now. As much as we want to talk about a shortened off season and how it was going to impact physical preparation, I, I can honestly say myself, our athletic trainer, like uh, and, and credit to our guys, like they did a phenomenal job where we're, we're talking to our sport coach, um, our head coach in early preseason. And we're like, man, there's no difference right now than if it was a normal preseason. Like we got to where we needed to be. We're able to handle these loads. Everything's looking the same physical prep wise. Like we're, we're in a good place. Now, now we can really roll. What was overlooked was like that team dynamic, right? You lose guys, new guys come in. Did guys actually step into that new role that, that we needed them to? Did we have enough time? Did we put them in the right opportunities to do that? Uh, it, how's the team cohesion? Is the team gelling together? It, all those kind of things where when you don't have any practices in, all summer, you have a very short preseason uh, and, and a shorter non-conference season where normally you guys can kind of start to figure things out. Like there's a lot of, a lot of growing pains that we're going through. However, very, very talented team, very skilled team very athletic team. Uh, It's just, you know, the coaching staff, the basketball coaches and support staff and myself, like we're, we're the, the guardians of the the standard. And I think, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, when I'm getting in the field, I feel like a ton of strength coaches used to say like, you know, we we set the team's culture. If, If someone called out the team's culture and said there's a bad team culture, like the strength coach would take offense to it. Like the strength coach was the scapegoat. If a team had a bad culture, all this kind of stuff. I feel like the pendulum swung to where now a lot of strength coaches are are saying, you know, we don't dictate the culture. They like pass the blame off. Like, Oh, the head coach dictates the culture or administration dictates the culture. Well, in my opinion, both of those answers are wrong. If you think you completely run the culture, you're wrong. If you think you have nothing to do with it, you're wrong. Uh, so let's 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 dive into that gray area and figure out what our role is, right? And so that's that's what we've been doing. And I, I've always articulated it like I feel like uh, I feel like coaches we can set like the blueprint and the standard of the culture, but I always said athletes' daily actions dictate the culture. So then, how can we as coaches influence athletes daily actions how can we influence their behaviors right and so then that's what we do as a staff we identify uh all those kinds of things and we kind of help push the needle uh forward so that's that's what we're you know working on right now is fine-tuning a few things and um you know, diving into the weeds, if you will, the the messy area that a lot of strength coaches either we uh, 
dive into it and um, have a little too much confidence or a little overzealous, or we try and avoid it altogether. That's what me and, and the rest of the staff are, are diving into right now. How can how can we actually set up an environment that influences positive athletes' behavior to then have them take ownership of the program, make it an athlete-led program? How can just the same way we talked about, okay, on a shortened offseason, what are we going to do from a physical prep standpoint? Okay, how on a shortened offseason from a, a team tactic standpoint, from a, a, a team a chemistry, a team cohesion standpoint, how can we get guys to step into roles when our traditional means of doing that was stripped from us? And, and here we are in, in the thick of things, right? So uh, like I said, I mean, very team and basketball specific, but that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at in the year. That's why I love working in, in team sport. No, I, I definitely like that. And I like how you said, you know, find that gray area and dive into it. Don't, don't try to run away from it. And I think that's some really, really great advice. And, you know, it, do you have social media you want to give a shout out or anything where our listeners that they want to find out more? Sure. Yeah. I'm uh Connedy Sean, pretty much on every social media platform at C-O-N-A-T-Y-S-E-A-N. So pretty consistent. And yeah, I have every social media platform that's, uh, that's my handle. So definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, you know, I, I appreciate you being on. This is a, it, it was a great interview with a lot of great information. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted you on here is you have a lot of great insight into, I think the big thing is like that culture. And then also like how you talking to administration and it's so much more difficult than what it looks like from the outside. So if you're going to do a director position, I know a, a misconception is it's, our, your way of the highway is just so much more like you have to talk to administration, learn the language they speak, talk to the head coaches, learn the language they speak. And you said, you know, you walked into a, a position where you had assistant strengths coaches that, you know, didn't have a say. So you got to definitely learn how to be a people person and communicate with, you know, peers that you have to earn their trust. And I think that's just a lot of great information. And, and you could tell you, you pulled on your experience and, like you say, what do you say? Seven states and you know a lot of different places and in, in a short amount of time. So you know, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and, and a lot of great stuff. And I'll be reaching out again here soon. Oh, no, that'd be an honor. Again, thank you so much for the kind words, Coach. I love uh, how you're pushing this platform forward and, and continuing the legacy of it. So it's it's an honor. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Coach. You have a good one. You as well. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. 
Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with ON to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements, and ON continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products, or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact ON's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at ON underscore athletics underscore West or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.